You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! When I, when I check into a hotel room and we're with the Alice Cooper band, it's a Hilton. When, when the vampires check into a hotel room, it's usually a, you know, Ritz Carlton. So there's a little <laughs> bit of a difference. And, and I step on the bus, they, they step on to the private jet. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> oh my God, guys, you're listening to 2020. This is the show. It's, I'm Benny Goodman. We're supposed to do this fast. So I'm just going to get right into it. I'm with my cohorts, my compatriots. My partners in crime, which we're trying to trademark by saying it as much as possible, if you haven't subscribed yet, 2020-D.com, Siobhan Cronin and Corey Peza. How are you? I'm deaf now. Yeah, very deaf. And I think it'd be difficult to uh, trademark partners in crime, but we can go for it. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> this week, we have Ryan Roxy, who you might know from Alice Cooper's band, as well as In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy, as well as his, he has a guitar, I can't even speak, a 12, a 12, is it a step program? Nope, nope. System nope. 12. <laughs> System 12. System 12 program where he'll teach you how to play guitar much better than I'm capable. Yeah, the System 12 guitar method. <laughs> so anyway, let's just dive right into it. Part one with Ryan Roxy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here as always with my compatriots, my cohorts, my co-hosts. Earlier in the day than usual, we've got Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. How's, How's it going, it going? guys? Waking Hello, up. Siobhan up. with the Conexento <laughs> with the S-H-A-V-A-N, but it could be Chevron. <laughs> We're sporting our coffees today instead of the other poisons that we usually sport on this sprite. episode. I already However, heard Yeah, except our guest. <laughs> our guest is not, though. So let me introduce him first today. We're, I'm so excited. We have Ryan Roxy, guitar player for Hello. Alice Cooper of many other projects. Also host of um, In the Trenches with Ryan. Is it Ryan Roxy or In the Trenches with Ryan? What's the uh, proper? In the Trenches, however you want to Google it, it's fine. Okay. You know, put my name in there, podcast. It usually comes up. Yeah, so one of our prior episodes when I was researching for Satchel, I came across, I think it was an episode that you had with him. So that's kind of how I got to know him a little bit. So discovered you and, you know, really cool podcast, obviously a great musician. So I'm excited to dive in and talk more to you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you guys making the time difference work because I'm <laughs> basically here at the North Pole right now and you guys are, you know, in my home country, but... <laughs> My newest or my latest home country has been Sweden for quite a, min a number of years. Um, luckily, I've been able to travel back and forth from the U.S. to Sweden for quite a while. So are how you did you end up in Sweden in the first place? I'm curious about yeah, that. Yeah, like, are you like the queen move? thing? Like, did you make so much money over in the United States that you have to go to Sweden for tax purposes so you oh can have, God. like, the Freddie Mercury that, that excesses? Be the, no, because, that, because then <laughs> Sweden would tax you more. Aren't you, like, Sweden is... Definitely known You're about for something high else. Like it's a I'm in the 70s, country. bro. 
No, no, but it's, even in the 70s, it was high. You know what I'm saying? So you've, you've met Benny. He's going to say lots of incorrect things very confidently it's okay. throughout the episode. It's okay, because a it's lot of people... It's all fake news. At least you said Sweden and not Switzerland, because that's the first mistake most people make right out of the gate. Because... I love my watch, man. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's either like, oh, so you're from... Uh, I have a friend that lives in Switzerland. You guys must know each other. It's like, no, we're like... Like three hour plane ride away. So it would be like me saying, Do you know some guy in, uh, you know, Toledo, Ohio? And you go, <laughs> but uh, I live in Sweden. Um, our guitarist, Tommy Henriksen from the Alice Cooper Band, he lives in Switzerland. And a lot of times uh-huh. that distinction is not uh, clarified, especially to most people that uh, live in the United States, because as we all know, the we world don't know geography. All's around the United States. Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I bet you there's some guy out there that's like, there's two guys in Alice Cooper's band. I thought there was just one dude that lived in Switzerland. <laughs> Always remember the entire flat earth revolves around the United States. Right, of course. It's with all the dinosaurs. The with the dinosaurs. The, <laughs> the dinosaurs oh and the guns. They have the guns killing the dinosaurs. Wow. Yeah. So what did, what Jumping did, right into conspiracies. I'm not yeah. sure if I believe that yet. Paul McCartney was there, though, with Tupac Shakur just smoking one. All right. Again, yeah. Ben is going to say a lot of bullshit that is not true, but very confidently so. <laughs> I will wait until Jon Stewart confirms it, and then yeah. it'll be fine. Right. <laughs> no, but as far as, as getting over to Sweden, like what that's, you know, it's obviously a, a more unique. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was married before to a uh, Swedish girl, and we had. We met in the States and we lived there for many number of years. We moved over. I always wanted, since I was a little kid, to live in Europe. I don't know why. And especially the colors of Sweden, I think, were something. So you can call it like this, you know, fulfilling your destiny of whatever. But even in the early days of going to the International House of Pancakes, I would go for the Swedish pancakes. That would be my pancake of choice. And um, so, and eventually, I wanted to live there. I was married to a Swede. We moved there. We have um, two kids. They they're growing up. We've since uh, split apart many years ago, and um, I'm still here though, and uh, not for long. I mean, there will be another destination. I, I remarried a couple years ago to a very cool girl from Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. So I know cool. it sounds yeah. kind of like a you know James Bond film, but it's really not. It's just. Uh, <laughs> Like, I just happened to meet a girl from Sweden, moved to Sweden, we got split so up. So you went from ABBA to Dave Matthews. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah. Wow. I, I was going to say, you didn't move there just just write pop hits for America. I, I would prefer ABBA to D'Antwood. Yeah, okay. well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair See, enough. And, and, and for those of That's you scary. that don't know D'Antwood, that is the answer. And that should be your next Google search and rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> oh, I've, to I've seen them live podcast. a bunch of times. What? So are you a you fan have? of D'Antward? Yolani fucking Fesser. You've seen I'm, Yolani fucking Fesser. Oh, my God, dude. I, I saw him at Lollapalooza. I saw him at the House of Blues. I, uh, yeah, man, it's a, it's see, a I never crazy... I never got to see them live. I never it's got to see them It's a very... Cr- well, intense. the thing is... So yeah, there's a lot of rap. I've seen a lot of rappers, right? A guy like Eminem, he has a lot of backing tracks. And the tracks he's not doing where he doesn't have backing tracks, you can hear how winded he is. He's been doing it a long time. Those guys are fire. Like, they literally sound unbelievable. And their stage show is like tantamount to Marilyn Manson when Marilyn Manson was actually edgy. <laughs> well, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Ninja and uh, Yolani, Yolandi, 
I, I, I think yeah, pronounce Yolandi. their names. Yeah, the, the, I, I have hard times uh, pronouncing names, just like Siobhan, as we went You're, You through. just killed it. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got it right. I think I got it right. Um, but I was turned on to that band before I met uh, my wife, Bianca, from who's from Cape Town. But she speaks uh, fluent Afrikaans. So I didn't wow. know, like, if, if you don't know Afrikaans, you kind of only know half of the band because she's constantly translating uh, th- what Afrikaans words that they use in between those songs. And I'm not sure, Corey or Siobhan, if you guys have been heavily into Deontwood. Like, no, uh, no, just, just kind of Paul coming across. Paul, next to me, our, our drummer, Paul, is a super <laughs> Deontwood fan. And okay. I mean... But just so you know, like a like a song, so you know, Siobhan is like, I rub my dick on expense. I rub my dick on expensive things. I think is one of the songs that they sing. Fatty boom boom is like, yeah. I, I think you're freaky. I, um, I think you're freaky, and I like you a lot. Is a terrifying yeah. video that if you haven't seen it, just as like a, it's in the same vein of like Nine Inch Nails or Tool or Marilyn Manson back in the day, where it's just like you'll leave feeling dirty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they've been on festivals in Europe that we've done because I remember hearing that name and like being surprised at what it actually was because I was thinking like it would be a rock group or I, I don't know something like, but it I is kind of a expect. rock group to me at one okay. point I was saying in some interviews that they're like the one the most rock and roll band out there even though they they do hip hop techno and uh, you know rap all together into this weird like sort of it's the attitude it's like that sex pistols attitude like we don't give a fuck they they really don't give a fuck they do a lot like if you do any research on these guys like there aren't a lot of fucks given in the dm no no i I think the whole reason why they didn't end up breaking as big is obviously they were big in the states for for a while but i think uh their a and r guy was jimmy ivine i'm not not mistaken and i think they kind of called him out on a more than a couple in a more than in a couple songs and i think you know as we all know when you you start uh when you start sort of bad rap in the record label whether it's in your songs or whether big it's brothers listening to you ryan yeah, big it, brothers well, listening i've i've seriously been indie for so many years now that what can they do i'm I, you know i've hung around long enough that people are finally starting to notice, you know, isn't that that old Mick Jagger quote? I just, yeah. and I've been around, and I've been on a couple um, major labels. My first band that I was with, Electric Angels, we were on Atlantic Records, and I mean, we we friggin' tried to play the game, we really did, but you know, we were up against a lot of bands in the '80s that were like. Um, the wingers of the world, Skid Row of the world, um, you know, a lot of bands that were like really, really popular on Atlantic Records uh, during that time and during that era. And it was just hard for us to, to be in that game because we weren't hair metal, even though we would open up and tour with all some of the best hair metal bands out right. there. I mean, we did our, our first U.S. tour with a band called Danger Danger. Mm-hmm. We got Naughty mm-hmm. Naughty. And we, uh, <laughs> and we also did another tour with a band called Hurricane, yeah. which had the uh, uh, Kelly Hansen as the lead singer, who's now the singer of Foreigner. So you realize that all these bands and all these um, musicians that are still touring today, I know them from back, you know, when I had a foot in the old school. And luckily I was living in Los Angeles at, at probably 
one of the coolest times to ever live there. I'm sure there's people that come from. Oh, uh, we've jail. heard we've heard all the stories. Of our I, previous I love guests. hearing these stories. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned though uh, pl- that you know you were kind of dabbling in playing the game. Uh, obviously, the industry's changed since the '80s. But what what really? about that game? Were you either not able to fully play, or or you know? Um, I just think our band was a little bit more '70s, mm-hmm. like and 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 had our foot more into those English bands with obviously my favorite band being cheap trick who were obviously influenced by the Beatles, but put it this way. We made our first album in, in London with, uh, Tony Visconti producing who's a huge producer produced, uh, all the T-Rex albums, uh, produced some great Bowie tracks as well. Uh, young Americans and obvious and produced, um, another band called the alarm, which was really great as well. He's he's just done string arrangements for Paul McCartney, Band on the Run, for Christ's sake. He's the guy is just a, a legend, but he was a, an English producer. So our our album inherently had an English sort of vibe to it. Maybe a couple of years too early, you know, because then a couple of years later, all these cool bands from England start busting out Oasis, Radiohead. Uh, uh, Happy Monday, Charlatans UK, and they and they have this sort of English production value where I don't think our album did, and it was hard to compete with those um, albums that were coming out that had more of the Bow Hill snare drum, or you know, or or basically the Mike Clink production, and you know. All these, I, I know I'm dropping a lot of names that if you look at the liner notes, they're all well, there. Well, Mike Clink, I mean, obviously, Appetite for Destruction. So, yes. Like, I mean, yes. Yeah, that's a good drum sound. I'm a fan. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. So like, I mean, listen, uh, so you mentioned something very important. The, if you look at the liner notes, I mm-hmm. did. You know what yeah, I mean? Because I think nerd. it's very important to understand, like, Martin Birch was the sound of Iron Maiden. There and you if go. you listen, you know, and if you listen to uh, the Zeppelin stuff, it's like, Okay, I don't know a lot about mastering, but I know there's this guy George Marino that kept coming up. So the George first Marino, I, it's Sterling I, Sound. I, I had ever asked for uh, to master my record, which we paid a shit ton of money, was George Marino. And ironically, it was like towards the end of his life, and his ears were done. And I was like, I don't feel like this sounds very good. So we sent it to <laughs> Ten Jensen, who was another guy I had seen in so many records. And you know, it's one of those things where you have to learn. Uh, if you're interested in, like, look at what's behind you, the guitars, uh, all the recording studio stuff. Yeah, you don't amazing. just get to that level by not reading that Mike Klink did this or that Ron St. Germain did that or Eddie Kramer did these records and the reason they were awesome was X, Y, and Z. And they go, oh, that's amazing. I well, should the, do that. The exact same reason why we had George Marino uh, produce or master our record, the Electric Angels album, was because it was on the back of every single record that I had Rest grown up peace. listening to. And we did it and mixed it in New York. And just so you know, if you're going rail down the uh, liner notes, it was Jim Mitchell that got all those great sounds on that uh, Appetite for Destruction and the Illusions records. Uh, he was engineering it as well. And Jim Mitchell, I know for years and years because um, we worked together in Slash's Snake Pit as well, and he produced my very first sort of solo type project band called um, Dad's Porno Mag, and that was a co-production between <laughs> yes. the band Jim Mitchell and Pink's drummer Mark Schulman. Oh, wow. 
So, so you see all these names and all these guys and musicians sort of all sort of... Um, yeah, it's a small Listen, it all goes back to together. Iron Maiden. Do you remember Iron yeah. Maiden's sure. records, a, a real live one and a real dead one? A real live one and a real dead one. Well, what? if you bought those records, there was a fold-out of the entire lineage of Iron Maiden, of all the bands that Dave Murray and Steve Harris and Bruce Dickinson mm. and Paul Diano and all. And it showed you like the, the like six degrees tree. to everybody. And mm. if there's one thing that I've learned and that we've learned in talking to people on the show is that it's all the same people like living in this. At, so it's not surprising because it's like, yeah, you have that web. I bet you could draw your own little Iron Maiden <laughs> slash Ryan Roxy you know, lineage of all the people that you've worked with because, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous as far as from the slashes of the world to you're <laughs> playing with Alice Cooper, which I consider just the definition besides your show that you have, but you're a defender of the faith, sir, which in the sense that you are bringing a legend's music still alive for a whole new group of people. You are defending the faith of rock and roll. Besides you're carrying the, the, guitars, the torch. You're, you're, you're carrying, carrying the torch. The torch of rock and passing it on to the next and generation. Teaching them. You're teaching those people <laughs> some culture. Just remember, we're all, you know, you have that, that saying of you're six degrees from Kevin Bacon. You're only six <laughs> degrees from Blaze Bailey. Because Blaze Bailey is actually one of the guys who I had the uh, privilege of having on my podcast, a really cool episode. I didn't know a I lot about it. him before I did the uh, podcast. And you find out that he's done so much and he's been in the trenches he's been working his ass off he was working his ass off before iron maiden during his tenure in iron maiden and then all these years afterwards because he did make a, a good amount of records i i think that blaze um doesn't get mentioned you know like the way paul does as you know paul diano does if we're, if we're going to go down the iron maiden he's the gary sharon of iron maiden and i love gary sharon he's one of my friends and i think he's one of the greatest singers ever but if you talk about van halen no one mentions Gary. They're like, fire in the hole over eight talking about love. Doesn't happen ever. If Blaze Bailey is the Gary Sharon of Iron Maiden, I am the Bruce Kulick of the Alice Cooper band. I love Bruce. <laughs> I love that's my favorite. See, I'm younger, so I Bruce like that's my favorite. That, that's though. my favorite Kiss era because I loved his playing so much because I didn't grow up going Ace was the best. I said, wow, this Bruce guy is really tasty. Uh. Well, the only reason I used to say that was because at one point I had surpassed being in the band, in the Alice Cooper band, longer than the original guys. And that's the <laughs> way kind of Bruce Kulick was. He was in the band longer than Ace at one point in his career, right? So, I mean, now I could say, you know, I'm the Tommy of, you could switch it, but I, I like saying Bruce because it'll wind Bruce Kulick up if he does hear this. <laughs> Hello, Bruce. Bruce is the man. And RIP to, hello. to He's Bob. like, hello, Newman. Hello, yeah. Bruce. <laughs> so was, so going... Oh, no, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. No, I was saying RIP to his brother, Bob, who was also a, a huge guy behind all the sounds, like the, the yep. step in uh, for, for Bruce. Like, there was Bob every time. So, And I know he passed away, and Bruce has been trying to keep his legacy alive. So it's one of those things where, you know, cheers to the heavens, because that dude and, did a lot for rock and roll. And not a lot of people know, uh, he was a hell of a softball player. I was on the uh, Sunday... <laughs> no, seriously. I was on the Sunday Softball League um, that we would go and play softball on Sundays. And Bruce Kulik, uh, or not Bruce, um, Bob was the the captain of the team. And, um, oh man, I'm, I, I hate when I, if I'm going to misplace the name. Gilby Clark was always there. 
Uh, Mark Denzeisen, great drummer, was was there on the team as well. Um, there was Eric Carr was playing. Is Eric uh, Carr good at, at softball? He actually was. He, he really was. So Eric Carr was yeah. not only an amazing drummer, but he, he, he softball huh? coordination. Yeah, and um, who was it? Um, the drummer of Mr. Big. Again. Uh, Paul Torpy. Pat yeah, Torpy. Pat, Pat, Torpy. Pat Torpy. Yeah, Pat Torpy was on the uh, team as well. RIP as well to the heavens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, damn, that softball league killed us all. Dude, hell? holy shit, don't play softball with don't Ryan Roxy. It'll fucking kill you, man. <laughs> holy fuck. No, no, they were great. They were all great, all amazing guys to hang out with. I, I remember nothing but good times um, do, playing those games. And to be honest with you, that was part of the L.A. hang and everything that I miss now being here in Sweden because there is no softball. There is no softball league. And this was years afterwards, actually. This wasn't when, um, you know, actually in the 1980s when there was the cat house and it was the, you know, I was there at opening night at Ricky Rackman's cat house. So we did have softball games then. But honestly, there'd be like, guys would come and play with their boots on you know like they're they're they're, <laughs> they're sort of leather boots and cowboy boots and, and did so lemmy come bit, in full like nazi garb and play it, it wasn't lemmy it was danny from uh faster that's kind of funny though because you know that sort of could have happened easily easily um, <laughs> he's playing pinball down if, the street if you could yeah if you could have dra- drugged dragged drugged both. How would you even say it? <laughs> drugged, then dragged. Well, dra- <laughs> if you would have dra- dragged, we can't. Even, I'm having a a brain fart of what's the right tense or word of it. But uh, you, I don't think you can get him away from that uh, pachinko game. It was a, I think it was a pachinko. It wasn't even really a video game. It was only like back in the old school days at the Rainbow Bar and Grill. Uh, Lemmy used to play this. Uh, pachinko. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say? Because it's a very old school game. I don't think so. It comes. A pachinko it is like is like an an Asian type of pinball, but it's up on a big uh, type of a wall, and and it's, it's don't they call smaller. that plinko, Bob? Isn't it called plinko? Oh, where you like fling it up and you, it like comes down. Yeah, yeah, it comes yeah, down. Yeah, and all yeah. These yeah, yeah. I call it pachinko. I, I and I, maybe I completely made it up, or just <laughs> Lemmy told it to me wrong one day. I don't know. <laughs> He'd be by that machine. Oh, but that's he's not, funny. You know, now he's up in that big pachinko game. He's playing that big pachinko game in the sky, I guess. Oh, well, we going. Well, I, have a good, I have a good Lemmy story too. I'm oh, sorry. Well, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, please yeah. tell us the Lemmy story no, because no, I, no, the, the, I, there's no such thing as a bad Lemmy story. It's kind really of oxymoronic. I'm, I, I'm sure there's. Siobhan, I'm sure there's better Lemmy stories out there. And Corey, I, I apologize for cutting you off and with this one. No, but, no, no, please, please. But I got to. Uh, play uh, a song a Beatles song with Lemmy uh, back in the USSR and it was at the Cat Club on the Sunset Boulevard and here's the thing I was really like suspect if he knew the words because he was in the back and he in Slim Jim Phantom who's the drummer of Stray Cats is the drummer on stage and he says hey I want to have Lemmy come up and I go okay what song do you want to play let's do back in the USSR he goes He's not going to go back in the USSR. And I'm like, stupid me. How could I even doubt for a second? Not only did he know the perfect bass line and played it note for note, he knew every single word and harmony. <laughs> when we went to the chorus, he started singing these Beatles harmony. Uh, so, so, I mean, let me, 
as heavy and as rock and as punk rock as he was, down in his soul, he was a very, very 50s, 60s Beatles guy, you know? And 50s, 50s music and Beatles music and, and traditional, you know, rock and roll back yeah. there. So, um, I mean, and I, I gained such respect. Like, I always had respect for Lemmy, but that day when we got to play back in the USSR, man, that was a, that was a mind blower. That's an amazing story. And I'm glad that, that it went down that path, because what I wanted to ask you was kind of how you got your early music influence and what sort of music you were drawn to early on. And just kind of like your ba- background growing up um, in California, where you're from, right? So you ended up in L.A. at some point. How did you get into playing or what was your early exposure to music? And, you know, how did you get drawn to a certain type of music over another? I got to really thank AM radio, because back when I grew up, AM radio wasn't just talk radio, wasn't just politics, wasn't just sports, wasn't just, you know, UFO conspiracies or whatever. It was actual music. And there was a station up in the Bay Area where I grew up. I grew up outside of Oakland called KFRC. And on any given morning, I would wake up to Dr. Don Rose. He would be our the morning DJ and he would play, and you have to understand this is the 70s. So he would play disco funk and rock within you know three songs back to back to back you'd hear aerosmith back to you know back to back with abba back to back to the commodores then you then then he'd go full circle again and play some cheap trick and then you'd have cool in the gang so it was like it was a really cool mix of what all my influences ended up being uh when i played you know when i ended up taking up music for real it's like a musical s'more. Basically, yeah. yeah. Chocolate, That's amazing. You always want vanilla. s'more. <laughs> a little chocolate, <laughs> a little vanilla, a little graham cracker in there. I love it. You can decide so what, what part did... has the groove. <laughs> well, I was, was going to ask, at what point did you start you know, wanting to learn music or guitar? Was, was that your first instrument? Like, How did you start engaging in it? The guitar was on the couch. It was just laying there. It, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like a um, special brand of guitar. It was just this big tobacco burst acoustic guitar so I could just, you know, sort of uh, strum it or whatever. I don't think, you know, neither of my parents played the guitar at all. It was just theirs, almost like a prop. And, um, but my dad played trumpet. So I started off with that Hmm. in the March, you know, in the, in the school band. And I, you know, quickly realized that, you know, I was this three valves and always taking the spit out of your instrument. It was kind of gross <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Yeah. So then I, so then I moved to a, my, my mom's <laughs> instrument, which was drums, which I really, to this day, I love it. I'm not a, I'm not a good drummer at all, but I love to beat the shit out of stuff. You know, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Be, beating this stuff out of drums. And it was really good for when my parents eventually did split up because like almost every parental household was splitting up in the 70s um it was good therapy because i had a drum kit set up in the uh living room of the house and then i would just bash away and um i i I realized again guitar had been already come into my life but i realized that being a drummer i wasn't going to be able to be in the front which was off, <laughs> which I wanted to. Unless, How is the crowd you... supposed to see what's going on with those pants if you're playing drums? <laughs> you could not be wearing pants. They don't know. <laughs> no one told Terry Bozio this, but I mean. Well, he, he was the devil, man. 
He was the devil. He was the gatekeeper to titties and beer. So you can't apply Terry Bozio. He is not a normal drummer of this world. That's not even a fair comparison, sir. Spring Session M, still one of my favorite records. I can I listen to the, you know, when I turn people on to it, you know, that are of the younger generations, because that's one of those bands, missing persons, that I think gets overlooked uh, a little bit from such great music. And you, you know realize why? that the musicianship, no, why? Too, it's too uh, it's too high pay grade for people. Ba- people want to hear Old Town Road. They're basic. And that's why it's the number one song. I understand this. I'm a DJ. I DJ parties and people come up. Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. It wins every time. But new music, a lot of it's very, very basic. Missing persons. Uh, missing. Uh, it, 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 listen to that music. It's so complicated. It's so well written. It's so incredible that most people probably don't have the attention span or even the understanding to realize like what's music. going on. Like, you, you don't realize that Terry Bozio is playing inhuman drums, which is why mm. it's great, because it doesn't sound like he's trying. But right. the normal person doesn't digest that, which is why I feel like there's a lot of people that overlook that stuff, and you go back and you're like, holy crap. But it was way before, like, way before its time, in my mind. Well, for anybody that wants to go uh, educate themselves on some great 80s music, uh, Spring Session M, Missing Persons, uh, I know that the... Uh, the members were in Zappa's band before. And uh, so that obviously gives them all this high pedigree. And um, I just find, I find their records, I think Warren, the guitar player is now, is he still currently in Duran Duran, correct? Ben might know. You know, I- Come on, Corey, I'll, I'll, come on, yeah. come on, Corey. Are you the research guy, <laughs> do it. <laughs> no, Ben, ben is the resident Google. nerd of all rock and roll history. I'm the classical music nerd, so anything pre-1900 is my jam. <laughs> well, dude, I have a I have a pretty cool, well, it's not cool at all. It's tragic, uh, Missing Persons story. I saw their last gig ever as Missing no. Persons because it, and it, and it couldn't have been more Spinal Tap because the actual gig went down at Magic Mountain in Los Angeles. You know the... the, the, the uh, place the amusement park magic mountain uh-huh they were playing i was disneyland? at the show land huh disneyland it's, it's like it disneyland it's actually called magic oh, mountain. it's called magic mountain it's not yeah, magic yeah. mountain at disneyland it's called six magic flags mountain. magic mountain so okay. i go to see the show exactly and if you if you watch the movie spinal tap which oh, if you haven't what the hell are you doing with your life <laughs> you have to watch that movie but agreed but that's a very important uh venue in spinal tap because that's where puppet show and spinal tap are you know build incorrectly so i'm watching this show and at one point there's this huge fight on stage and they just one of the members walks off the stage i had found out that right before the show went on that is when the guitar player told the drummer that he had been sleeping with the singer who was the drummer's wife. Oh, my God. Whoa! If it doesn't get more dramatic than that, I mean, and you'll have to figure out all the names because I just left them out, but you can put put the pieces together. Well, actually, I can tell you, I have (laughs) such a weird, that's, you're giving me goosebumps, because I had a weird, similar story, like, situation happen to me. I went and saw Stone Temple Pilots. (laughs) I saw Stone Temple Pilots recently with their new singer, and who's amazing, amazing. Cool, I gotta check it when out. They, so I'm backstage with the DeLeo guys, who are, again, some of the greatest songwriters, players of our time. I love this. I love Stone Temple Pilots. I've loved them since 95 or whatever. Um, and I'm hanging out with Robert and Dean, and they're like, 
oh my God, this is the venue. And we're like, what? This is when we decided we had to fire Scott. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, were you ever at our shows? I'm like, I was at the last show here. He's like, then you were here. Do you remember we did like a 25 minute jam? I'm like, yeah, I do. I remember thinking it was like this weird psychedelic thing. It's like, do you remember that we said that like we were starting a new sound? Well, what happened was literally Scott Weiland walks up to one of the DeLeo brothers and says, I need to take a shit in the middle of their set. And he's like, when? He's like, now. And like walks off stage. And he's like fucked out of his mind, so they start playing, and then he comes back on, and he. Like I think slips. though, in his defense, yeah. he's part snake, so I don't. I don't think snakes shit all that often. So when when <laughs> someone has to actually, isn't it true, Corey? Are you working this up on the internet? Because when, when I think snakes, snakes only shit, shit like about a once a week, and so when that happens, I think you have to really be. You know. Slash should have taught you that, Ryan. <laughs> but the, here here is a true story. When I did play with uh, every two Slash days, by the way. Little, Every two okay. days. For every anyone two, wondering, every two days. two days. Every two days. We'll see. Yeah. Even yeah. then, you got you got to let him do his thing. I mean, you just got to let him go. But uh, when we were looking for singers for uh, Slash the Snake Pit, before we found one of the best voices I've ever been able to record with in the voice of Rod Jackson, um, I'm biased, but I just think that motherfucker can sing like an angel. But uh, one of my suggestions was uh, Scott Weiland. Um, you know, my first suggestion when we first got together and we made these demos and I heard Slash's riffs and I was able to put some of my guitar parts against his and we made these demos and they're slamming and I was like really excited about it. And I said, you know, would be the perfect singer. <laughs> he's got red hair and he's like screams. And he's, he's just got this amazing person. He goes, look, dude, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. So that was way back, you know, that when hell will never say never. So so my first attempt to get Axel to sing these Slash songs was shot down in flames. But then my second choice or my second suggestion, I did say Scott Weiland. And Slash goes, he goes, now why would I get, why would I get Ryan, a guy like Scott? He's got, you know, where I just came from. You know what I'm just coming from. Why would I go, it's just, it's, it's going to be even crazier. You know, I, I can't. But what happened a couple of years later? Velvet Revolver. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, Scott Weiland is a rock star. Will always be a rock star. Mm -hmm. You know, was a rock star. One of the best performers. Um, I got to see him a few times um, in in Velvet Revolver. And uh, I never saw him. I, see, I never saw these bands. Like, you see Deontward. And you saw Stone Temple Pilots. I never get got to see Stone Temple Pilots um, play with Scott Weiland. And um, my ex-wife. He was wearing she, a dress. It was a little bit weird. Well, my ex-wife said we saw him at the uh, at the Universal Amphitheater, which is now I think the um, what's the guy's the Harry Potter ride at Universal Studios. Oh. <laughs> they changed it. <laughs> but I, but I was lucky enough to play this place called the Universal Amphitheater, which became the Gibson Amphitheater a couple years, and then now it's the Harry Potter parking lot or something like that. <laughs> but um, I, I, my ex-wife went to see Stone Temple Pilots there, and she just, she just goes, Ryan, I have seen the coolest rock star ever, and, and which was, you know, because we were going to a lot of shows back in those days. I mean, I, I was able to see Oasis at the Viper Room with about 100 people. Wow. I mean... You know, and Oasis in their prime, coming yeah. off of their second album, you know, uh, it's like, 
Well, but Scott Weiland if, is a testament that, like, okay, as a fan, because I loved Scott Weiland, and, and there's no question that he was one of the greatest voices of our time, wrote unbelievable lyrics, and was an unbelievable performer and a huge personality. But I, I can tell you that I saw Stone Temple Pilots, I don't want to say necessarily in their prime, but, like, definitely in a very good period where they were unbelievable with Scott Weiland. And then I remember I, I made a, a deal with my buddy, I got him Scott Weiland tickets at a very small venue with his solo band, and then he got me tickets to Metallica. And I was like, dude, going to see Scott Weiland somewhere small is way cooler than seeing Metallica. Well, we went and saw Scott Weiland, and for the first 15 minutes, he's just dancing with his cigarette, and he's so skinny <laughs> that it's like, it was sad. It was sad. It was just like watching him, and his band was like third rate, like not even dudes that you would even look at second time walking down the strip. You're like, you couldn't have done better than this. And we walked uh, out. It was literally like, what the fuck? And he's one of the greatest performers ever. So that's, that's what happens when you do drugs, guys. Like, that's what fucking happens. That's, that's, that's too bad to hear. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's bad shows. There's no doubt there's bad shows with everybody. I mean, I've had my bad shows. I mean, I learned my lesson with doing drugs and uh, playing, performing um, the hard way. I mean, when it, this was bef when I first moved to Los Angeles, when, and, and thank God it happened like when I first moved to Los Angeles, because we got this. I was in a band called the Jeff Scott Band, and I mean, I I don't think I've ever even told this story on a fucking podcast. That's, this is crazy. So there you go. This exclusive. is your exclusive. All right. I don't, yes. I don't, everyone's gonna go. Who's the band? <laughs> Jeff Scott? What? No, he was on. It's his, not Jeff Epic. Scott Soto, is it? No, it wasn't Jeff Scott Soto. He was on uh, Epic Records, and I love the fact that he was on Epic Records because that was the same uh, record label that Cheap Trick was on. So I was, you know, and I was seventeen. I was I had just just might have just turned eighteen. I had moved down to Los Angeles. Um, I got in this band and we got an opening slot at the palace, which is on Hollywood and vine in Los Angeles, opening up for tell Tuesday, two nights. And there's a band called tell Tuesday. There's another great band that I don't know if you guys have ever, if you remember this band out of Boston, uh, they have a great single called voices carry Amy Mann. she was the lead singer. If oh, you, everyone knows Amy Mann. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, but so, that's, we're from Boston. That's just weird. I feel like I would. I, well, you're I, from Boston. You don't know Tell Tuesday. I that's guess not. sacrilege, yeah. dude. Well, yeah. now you're surprising cool. me. See, now hey, I've, I've learned something All right. from the All right. the defender of the faith, Ryan Roxy. <laughs> I got stories, boy. So anyhow, we have two nights. The first night actually goes really well, and I'm thinking, great, we got another sold out night, and why don't I just make it even better? <laughs> You know, I'll just go in the bathroom, do a little, and, uh, you know, make it better. And I came out of that bathroom, went on stage, strapped my guitar, and for some reason couldn't remember a single fucking part. I was just, it all hit me, and I was flubbing notes, I was missing notes, and I, I'm, and so that was like, that was it. And I said, no, I'll, you know, like, my party days, obviously, they didn't end. Do you know what your rookie mistake was? What was that? You have to actually practice while you're also on cocaine. Ah, yeah. Because ah, the way well, the brain no works is so like if you actually <laughs> do cocaine while you practice, you operantly condition your, yourself so that when you do the cocaine, yes. it comes back. Take notes, but if kids. You, if right. you no, don't, yeah. that's really bad advice. That's actually promoting drug use. <laughs> so no, I'm not well, promoting it. Don't just do it at a show. I'm practice with it. If you want to be able to be a proficient guitarist while you do cocaine, like ask Stevie Ray Vaughan. 
Like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan did so much cocaine, but he was one of the greatest guitarists ever in the existence of man. But that's because he practiced on cocaine. Well, that show for me was scared straight. Because after yeah. that show, I said, fuck it. I, you know, I, I don't need to forget guitar parts that I've really put time into learning yeah. you know, and playing just because I'm on some substance. So I, you know, I left that behind. And to be honest with you, yeah. For for all those all those shows that were were you know in the eighties all those crazy crazy shows, always you know straight as an arrow. I might have had a beer or two back in those days, and um, there might be some one of those. The worst thing I think back in the eighties were promo shows and radio uh, promo shows because mm-hmm. you do like two or three songs, mm-hmm. so it's basically just a license to like you know. Have anything you want off the menu. Drink as much as you want and go up and play two or three songs. This is our radio promo show. It doesn't matter. By the way, we Ryan, want you to be fucked up. Qu- question. <laughs> so we thought we might cartoon c- cartoonize oh, that's you. That's great. What did you, you think just about do that? that? No, that's so that's Paul, our actual. Uh, he's he's, he's our, our drummer, our, the drummer from Symphony. our band Lost Symphony. But <laughs> I've Paul? been. But he, he can't hear you. But Paul, he says hello. <laughs> um, it, the drummer says hello back. I did. I did the international uh, wave. I think that would suffice. Yeah, it works but, probably but the point is, is that now, now uh, we were actually lucky enough. We were able to hire him as our guy. So he's like our beats department, our art department. So everybody who's on our show That's gets the option. And I said, dude, draw this this dude. He's fucking badass in rock and roll. So we drew you with a with first off a Kiss like Alice Cooper like guitar. No, it's an Alice thing. Cooper song. That's his Alice yeah. Cooper eyes. There's no doubt. I yeah. would love it if that was a paint by numbers sort of thing. If you can <laughs> paint by numbers, well, he's gonna he's gonna color it in for you for the actual thing. But, but also have a paint by numbers option as the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's well, what I think we, we should we can put it up for. there for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, well, maybe, I hope maybe can I, Well, yeah. I'll put it in my merch store. <laughs> well, we'll, send, we'll send it to you. In fact, we'll totally send it to you if you want to put it in your merch store. Go for it. It's our, I was actually going to tell you we, we'll send. I don't know how to get things over to Sweden. How easy that is, but we'll send it it's over not. to you. Yeah, it takes forever. Yeah, it's, it's better if I. It's better if I just come there on tour and we meet. Well, somewhere. what I was going to say is, yeah, uh, well, yes. I I was hoping to see Alice Cooper because it's funny because I was just talking to my fiance and I was like, I'd like to bring Haley, her sixteen year old, now my sixteen year old. Um, to, to Alice Cooper and she's like do you think she'll like it and I said it's like going to see Phantom of the Opera it's culture like your kid needs yeah. to see Alice Cooper get his head cut off yeah. and that's a thing and if and she doesn't like it then that's her own opinion and she's it's allowed become, to not like it yeah it's, it's become a generational rite of passage I think it, to, it is though it's a rock and roll rite of passage to, to watch an Alice Cooper show because it is like seeing the Rocky Horror Picture Show where it, it is interactive and it's one of those things. It's almost like, you know, watching the Grinch who stole Christmas during wow. Christmas season, you know, and, and to see an Alice Cooper show, um, the script really hasn't changed all that much since the early 70s. I mean, obviously the band members have changed <laughs> and um, the set pieces have changed. But if you look at the actual script of the show, it's basically Alice battling good battling evil whatever he wants to do whether it's good or evil you have to make up your mind for that that's all subjective for you to figure out and getting uh well you wouldn't say crucified but executed and then coming back the resurrection it's very it's it's almost a story that's like old as time itself so i, I think the alice cooper uh show is definite 
for any generation. And I see that. We see that at the shows. We see uh, three generations, sometimes four. It's crazy to see great grandparents now at the shows. You <laughs> that's know, insane. Wow, it's that's really amazing. weird. That's so cool. Uh, well, I, I, I got to tell you that um, I, I have to ask because I remember when I first saw um, Alice Cooper. I mean, I saw you and I remember thinking to myself, man, this guy's amazing. But Alice has always showcased female, unbelievable virtuoso level guitarists. And it's not like they're better than you guys. But the, it's like he gives a spotlight because it's and I want to know what it's like. You know, you're in a band now with Nina Strauss, who's an unbelievable guitarist. She's a great showwoman. Um, what's it like to s support that? But also like you're a Jedi guitarist of your own. Well, I think we all know our role. I mean, we all everybody. That's the reason why I think the band truly does have a synergy within itself is because and people react to the live band as as positively as they do um because everybody knows whose name is on the marquee there's no mistake all right it's not a band name it is a band name but we all know who the band guy we all know that everybody and it's happened everybody can miss a show everyone cannot be available for one show and that's works and, and, and the show does go on one guy one guy if he can't, if he can't do the show there's no show. And so with that in mind, we all know our roles. And um, I mean, when you say Alice has always had female guitars, but that's not really true though, because he's well, only not always, always. I, always. I, now for always I mean, for me in my generation, not like is, Dick Wagner, only I, I, when bleed always time. always 2011, not 2011 and on? <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, because Ori Orianthe came in, I believe it yeah. was two, 210 or 211. So, yeah. you know, always, it can't be the last 10 years. <laughs> well, that's why you have <laughs> been around the, since the late 60s. Have you seen so, it triggered you? You're now telling everybody who's listening to this program Program. You're setting us straight, and it's a great thing because it's one of those things where it's like, you're right. Okay. Don't let me revise history with my stupid Two domisms. Don't do drugs when you rehearse so you can do drugs when you play live. <laughs> That's not good advice from Benny. That's really bad advice. Yes. And two, <laughs> there's a, Alice has only had two female guitar yes. players. They're, I've been lucky enough to play with both of them. I think they're both great in their own ways you know both have their have their um individual strengths orianthe uh you know greatest vibe great soloing bluesy feel to her and and uh nita strauss you know the hurricane you know she's she's calls herself the hurricane and it's well you know well titled because she's all over the stage com you know a complete show person um a great shredder knows all that stuff and a great band member a team player because that's the reason why the three guitar player attack you know works. you know who she reminds me of and i and, and i say this with the greatest love and because one of the greatest show people that i feel is like so under was overshadowed at the time but you go back and watch the bootlegs but she reminds me of like obviously a female version of like jakey e. lee in his prime like where like he had all the crazy stuff with all the stuff she does with the guitars and the way she runs around the stage and she just owns it. And if you go back, I mean, obviously Randy Rhodes passed away. So like, how do you live up to Randy Rhodes? But then you go watch the, like the, those old Aussie videos from like 84, 85, 86 and Jakey e. Lee's just owning it. And when I saw Nita the first time with you guys, I mean, I, I love, 
you know, Tommy and you're playing. You guys are just, and you're always out there with different Gibsons and beautiful vintage guitars. And I'm a guitar nerd. So I'm already looking in the back and I'm just like, oh, that's great. And out comes Nita, you know, with her Ibanez. And I'm just like, what? Oh, but why? <laughs> and she could be playing a Les Paul right now. She's playing and she's choosing an Ibanez. And then she just murdered my face. Yeah. And I, yeah, well, it just reminded me I mean, that. She wins, she wins you over um, with her personality. And I think that we play very well off each other. Because the thing about the Alice Cooper band is that there's so many um, double guitar parts, double harmonies. All the amazing guitar duos that Alice has put together over the years, whether it's the original band, you know, uh, with Glenn and Michael, or, or if it's Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner. I mean, th these, these are classic guitar duos. And we have this luxury now of having three guitar players so that one can hold down back to Maiden. You know, one can do the one can do the solo, and then the complementing harmony to that solo, and then it just this wall of sound. The biggest compliment I think we I've ever received from uh, fans that come and watch the show is they say, "You guys all sound like one guitar uh, during the verses and the choruses. It just sounds like this force." But then when the solo happens. Everybody has their own individual styles, and yeah. your sound uh, engineer cranks the solos and makes everybody stand out. And you know, like I said, it's it's a testament to the, the to the crew that works within the show, but also with Alice for allowing us to get that spotlight. Not yeah. not a lot of it's um, bands get to have as especially when they're under the yeah. uh, a solo name mm -hmm. moniker, you know, like Alice Cooperman. I, I, I remember hearing folklore of a piece of tape being put across the stage and a certain unnamed lead <laughs> singer had said, you can't cross this tape. You know, I wouldn't, I would be hard yeah. to be in a band like that because especially yeah. for myself or Nita Strauss, can you imagine Nita having to be behind the tape? It just wouldn't fly. So, yeah. you know, Alice has, if in anything, he pushes you forward to the front of the stage. And it's, it's smart. Like, because that it, makes it a show. That makes it a show and not just a, a look at me, like follow the spotlight around that one guy. You know, that's why, you know, I want to go see you. You guys are actually coming to Boston, I think, in September. So I was going to say, my, our but friend, like the, our uh, British ambassador, Steve Wood, has already told me since he's worked with Alice Cooper and the Vampires. He was like, if you if you want, Benny, I'll put you on the guest list. Yeah. But well, now I'm like, I need, now I need to do that. Good for yeah. him because I have no idea how it's going to work. So yeah, well, so, so if, he, if he can he use his to me. Hollywood vampire like pulling well, up the strings good for well, him yeah. man because isn't that great all i know is i've been told is that it's covid time still we have no idea what our protocols are going to be it could be like a lockdown an, a bubble sort of type of tour just depending on where we are man. in well, on on i'll, tour, I'll, I'll which, at least be in the masses just so you know i'll extend the invite <laughs> if you're i know I Maybe I can actually get you. some of my friends through Steve. Yeah, get, because he can. <laughs> I, I'll his, tell him his his. He'll uh, watch this. I'll send him the link. I'll t I give him his exact timestamp. Trump card. Steve, yeah. help. Help the Alice Cooper band out. They Please. need help. They, they can't talk to Alice. They can't look him directly in the eyes. You know this. Everyone knows this. <laughs> don't okay? look at his so, neck. Don't, 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 look at his don't look at his neck. Don't let him. And if Joe Perry's in the room, fuck's sake, just fuck off. Okay? <laughs> now that we know this, help Ryan get his boy I know. and some of his friends into the I'll, show. Will you? Because we don't know the protocol. All right. 
When I when I check into a hotel room and we're with the Alice Cooper band, it's a Hilton. When when the vampires check into a hotel room, it's usually a you know Ritz Carlton. So there's a little <laughs> bit of a difference. And and I step on the bus, they they step on to the private jet. Yeah, right. So, yeah, right. Well, that's uh, like a peacocking fest. Yeah. Before it we get really too far is. off, you were talking about just the Alice Cooper show in general and the performance with the three guitarists. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to me because nowadays it seems like a ton of bands. You know, on the album, there's you know 40 layers of guitar but you know who wants to you know hire multiple in- like just toss those guitars on backing tracks send your one guy out there and now you have like this manageable show but but it doesn't have the same effect as seeing those three real guitarists on stage it's not just the that. guitars too it's the vocals there, yeah, there yeah. are no backing tracks with the yeah. Alice cooper band except for the cheesy cheesy interlude samples yeah. <laughs> and even those are not high tech at all we still have i think a doctor rhythm sampler that we use from like back in the 90s or early Amazing. 2000s for the longest time it was a doctor do you remember doctor sample oh yeah it, I it was a i think boss yeah. made it or yeah, Rowan yeah, made yeah, it yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like it was thing. so old school and and some you had to press it so, it said, so it's, it's our drum tech that actually presses those uh, little samples that we use to this day, like the scream when Alice gets his head cut off. I'm sorry to spoil alert. When Alice gets his head cut off, that's not really Alice screaming. And um, fired. The the sort of um, the the sample before poison, the you know, whatever that sound is that Desmond Child. Maybe feed my Frankenstein. The lightning and the sort of yeah yeah here comes dinner. That, I'm, that I'm totally I'm upset now. And these are really really old school samples, so it's not mm-hmm. like we're on any sort of time code. Yeah, yeah. Time yeah. code that, well, does not work. Well, that's what makes it cool. Yeah, yeah it, there's, it can't there's some performance work. involved. Well, that's what I like about your show is that I it's so hard, and you understand this, being someone who's in a studio all the time to you know not like take apart like is there too much bass can you hear the guitars like is that vocals is that real is that not real wow i love how that snare sounds you guys sound like a backing track except it's the not the closest and, thing and the when closest i was going to say one, Go one of the things that i loved when i saw you guys is like one of you fucked up and it made me happy because i was like ah oh, it's real it's all real they're <laughs> fucking i i love it because you were so good that if if i didn't know i was like are they lip syncing it? And it, but it, I was gonna say that's another good thing about having three up. guitarists. Like, oh, it wasn't me that fucked up. It was one of those. Yeah, guys, I think right? I think we're so good that I think our fuck ups are on the sample. So we every yeah. once in a while we have to put a sample of someone <laughs> fucking up because we're, we never. <laughs> no, the closest thing that we have to a machine is our drummer Glenn Sobel. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, guys, and, and he is a machine. We actually call him the machine because his time is so steady and and he bashes and keeps the he keeps the foundation of the band rolling so yeah that's the closest thing we have to a machine in the alice cooper band currently so he's also um, a showman dude that dude is like the school of spinal tap like throwing things all over (laughs) and like catching things and like oh here's behind my head pulling that and then like here we go and he's like just watching him hit like literally he hits like kenny arnoff but then he does all that like like Prince style, you know those old Prince videos where they do all that crazy stuff. I That's what he does by himself because he's a maniac. I think this thing, and I I never really told him this before, but I think that's way more of a nod and paying homage to uh, Gene Krupa. Oh, definitely and, and the old school drummers yeah. that used to do that kind of stuff with the snare drum and the tidal wave. So, 
I mean, I know who's who's the one of the most famous drummers because um, Shannon Shannon Larkin from Godsmack actually is very famous for doing the uh, that craziness. He was in Wrathchild, uh, and he he totally does that. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy 50 years earlier. Than oh, like well, Gene <laughs> Krupa, Buddy Rich. I'm Buddy thinking Rich, of Buddy Rich. Obviously, yeah, I, I get the two, two the confused guys. sometimes, Benny. Yeah. But, <laughs> Buddy but, Rich would come from the grave and smack you fucking silly if you were confused him with Gene Krupa. He would smack you. We know that they were I was equal, not talking but Buddy about, Rich no, no. Was talk, I was talking ben, about the talk. drummer of Extreme. Oh, Paul and, Geary. And, and Buddy oh. Rich, yeah. I was, uh, that's, that's what I was doing. That Geary. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, Buddy Rich had a revolving drum kit decades before Tommy Lee. And if you don't believe me, folks, go check it out on the internet. You'll see it like it's on one of those, even before Johnny Carson. It's like an old, like, Tonight <laughs> wow. Show. I think it's even before that. But he literally had a drum kit that revolved and did a 360, and he played drums while it was done. And it was, you know the thing was held together by, you know, nails and fear and like probably you know yelling at carpenters all day or something like that yeah. oh my goodness it's what, age, what age did you realize that sammy davis jr was also that level of a drummer actually just recently honestly i just saw him do uh i saw a special on sammy davis jr because it took me so long to to figure I out i had no idea for he for had a years. glass eye i didn't know he had a glass eye either me I, was it Sandy Duncan or Sammy Davis that had a glass? Or did they both have glass eyes? <laughs> now you're confusing my crossing my wires. Sure. But I know Sammy Davis Jr. played mean drums. I, I know one of the best drummers out there. I mean, he he and he would do all that side of traditional side stick snare drum stuff. But I'm more um, now interested in if Sammy Davis Jr. had a glass eye. He, he did. Yeah. All right, Corey, our resident Paul researcher. Sa Paul says that he had a glass eye. Like there's. Yeah, he got in a car. He got he a car went. accident and hit his yeah. uh, face on the steering wheel and had to get an artificial eye. And one of the best name band names I ever heard at, and me and Alice actually agree on this, are the best rock band name, Sandy Duncan's Eye. <laughs> that was that was literally a band name that we saw in an LA Weekly when we were on tour together one time. And Alice goes, "What is this band called? Sandy Duncan's Eye? That's cool." So there oh you go. Gosh. And everyone, I think, in your audience was going, "Who's Sandy Duncan?" And maybe you guys are all going, Siobhan? Sandy oh, yeah, Duncan? No, I don't know. You, have any good, you don't have any good Sandy D Duncan stories? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, but I wanted to comment on how cool it is to hear about, uh, you know, the experience of playing in the Alice Cooper band. Because, like, for example, I'm in a band called Star Set, and it's the total opposite. Everything is time-coded. It's a click track. There's content that pops up at, like, certain points. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's it, that is something that I miss out on sometimes that I enjoy in, like, other projects where there's, there's room for spontaneity. Like an orchestra? <laughs> yeah same with orchestra that's what that's what i love about orchestral music like you were saying the wall of sound there's so much dynamic you know you can have all the instruments playing at once and then all of a sudden something drops out and there's like a solo and it just comes out of nowhere and that's so cool when that happens in in rock music and another context you know that like very cool writing and the way it's all orchestrated and arranged makes a huge difference i think that's the one thing that the four of us sitting here on the screen that uh have a little bit different I think it's a bit different than what the new school musicians are. If, if we, even if I could pass on some sort of um, good advice, not the, not the advice that Benny was giving early, but some good <laughs> advice is in one word, dynamics, because we all know about dynamics, you know, the three, what 
pin, pianissimo to yeah, the, yeah. You, you go yeah. PPP to FFF, and and I think today everything's just F. Mm-hmm. You think that that's why people like are starting to gravitate back towards records because there used to be dynamics. Because if you listen to those old classical recordings, they go from whisper quiet to fucking loud. And if you're deaf, like in a band, you can't hear what they're saying or what they're doing when they're playing quietly. You have no idea. So you're like, that's why they compress the fuck out of everything. That's what Oasis did was they basically made a record that was so loud it gave you noise fatigue. We're, so, so one of the things about records is that they have a much larger dynamic uh, sound uh, range, mostly than CDs. Now people are going back to having more of a range. But do you do you think that that's kind of why people are going back? Because those old records, it sounds different than the yep. Beatles remastered now, where you can hear them breathing. I don't, I don't think that at all, though. I think it's a really good point, but I, I think the reason why. <laughs> The people are actually gravitating back to records is for two things. One, musicians have finally finally realized a small way to take back and make some income out of music. And something tangible is something that a real fan of your band will actually have and appreciate. And for the fans themselves, that experience the experience that I preach about and you guys probably talk about all the time of listening to a record with cool headphones on, mm-hmm. you know, cool 70 and reading those liner notes while you're uh, listening to the music and you're just like either dreaming of like what you want to do in life or just basically doing whatever, but, but it, you're engrossed in your, in, in the experience of listening to music, reading liner notes. I think that whole thing is what's, gravitating people back to um, some sort of fascination with vinyl. And the fact that, you know, look, musicians need some sort of income off of music. Music, unfortunately, has become a promotional tool for, for other things, whether it's touring, whether it's selling merch, whether it's actually selling their yeah. podcast or their subscription to Patreon or whatever. And, and on that note, and on that note, uh, yeah. this episode is brought to you by Lost Symphony. <laughs> Go to lostsymphony.com <laughs> and buy a signed vinyl of Chapter 3, which is out right now. That's uh, some pretty good guitar players on it, Corey. Can you tell does. us what guitar players are actually on it? Or maybe Siobhan, can you tell us what guitar players, do you even know what guitar players are uh, on Chapter yeah. 3? We, we have Marty Friedman, we have Alex He's Skolnick, good. we have oh, Angel wow. Vivaldi, we have Richard Wait, who was Shaw. who's the last guy? I missed that. I missed Angel that. Vivaldi. Angel Vivaldi. Yes. We have Richard Shaw. Oh, wow. Who else have we got? Ben, Corey? We got Nuno who, who, Betancourt. Got oh, Nuno Betancourt. Say, how could yes. you forget Nuno? He's going to be so <laughs> mad if he watches this, which he won't. But if he watches it, because I'll send him it. Uh, he'll be like, why didn't you say my name first? <laughs> because I get to hear it enough from you. How do they all fit it? on the bandwidth? That's so much That's so much guitar for so little bandwidth. I mean, there's, <laughs> well, there's so spread much. out on different songs, so every song features some different people. That, that would be a yeah. lot of guitar players. Yeah. It's like that thing, too much metal for one hand. Yeah, right? well, our, our whole thing, that? our whole thing is more is more uh, with this project. So, <laughs> so speaking uh, of dynamics, we'll, we'll, we'll send yeah. we'll send you some vinyl if it's even possible. Probably not. I'll email you MP3s or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you'll like it. Um, it but, you know, it's one of those things where we had this delusion of exactly what you said that. I remember David Gilmore saying for the last Pink Floyd record, which has no vocals, that they released with uh, you know uh, Richard uh, Wright uh, before he died. Um, what was I hope people listen to this with headphones on 
you know, the whole record from start to finish. And you and I know that that's an illusion for most people of a certain age. Like they just, no one does that. They know songs. They know songs. It's on this random. This is what it's, the music comes out of, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Comes out so I, I hope that we can send you some stuff and that you'll just sit down with headphones and listen to it. And I know that you do this all the time. So basically I'm asking you to work for free. <laughs> this is how I know you're an old schooler, Benny, because you said, for one, I'll send you again, like like email. You'll email me an I'll MP3. I'll fax you. I'll fax no, an MP3 you. file. <laughs> you said a file. Yeah. The thing is, people don't even do MP3. I'll send anymore. you the that's link. Like, that's right. like even another. I mean, at one point it was cutting edge to do an MP3, and but it's like now it's all about you. Just send me a link so I can right. just. No, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna we have burn a you a CDR right and. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make our own Sharpie label. Can you send me a dat tape yeah. of that, please? Because I, would... I have it on Betamax, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, at, uh, at this point, we're, we're at the end of our, our first hour here. Round one. With Ryan, yeah, that, this is, this is a blast, man. A lot we, of fun. Thank you, thank yeah. you for hanging with honor. us. Thank you so much. Ryan, where can everyone find you? Like, what's the best thing? Like, what are we promoting at this moment other than the fact that you're a legendary guitarist? You have In the Trenches, which Let is a great podcast. Himself. Defending the faith. <laughs> Uh, over yeah. there um, and you played with like a lot of people from Slash to Gilby Clark we'll talk about that in the next episode but where can people find you the easiest and quickest way to find me is ryanroxy.com because that'll lead you to all the different other veins but I'm most active on Instagram and obviously YouTube which is Ryan Roxy official on YouTube just go onto YouTube and uh, put in Ryan Roxy you'll find my channel would love for you to check out all the uh, Content, videos, podcasts, music videos, interviews, everything's there. Sounds awesome. great. And we'll have links below. This has been 2020-2020-D.com. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 82 featuring the one and only Mark Tremonti of Alterbridge and the legendary band Creed. Check it out. Yeah, I'd rather hear, um, you know, instead of hearing some wizard on the guitar that's just absolutely killing it, and there's so many of them out there that, that just, you know, make you want to put the guitar down, I'd rather hear that weird kid who's got a weird outlook on life, who's got a weird style, who's got, who's just comes, was born in a cave and, and, and comes up with the weirdest stuff you've ever heard. I'd rather hear the creativity in a guitar player than somebody who can just murder every scale. You know, I want to hear somebody who can take a scale and tear it apart, flip it upside down, and do something you'd never expect out of it. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.